Well, now it's time in the service for the reading and preaching of God's word. And here to read the scripture for us is Hannah, and then the sermon will be delivered by the Reverend Howard McPhee. Our reading today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 to chapter 3, verse 6. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God, of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This is the word of the Lord. It is estimated that the Apostle Paul, over the 30 years of his gospel ministry, walked more than 16,000 kilometers. And in his journeys, he found himself in Macedonia in uh, the fall of the year 56. Probably he was in Philippi. And he's writing his fourth letter to the church at Corinth. The fourth letter is our second Corinthians. And he writes to, uh, to explain the change in his travel plans. And he informs them that uh, Titus and he had prearranged that they would meet in Troas. But when the Apostle Paul arrived in Troas, uh, Titus arrived in Troas and he, he had come to Troas to preach the gospel, um, Titus wasn't there and he was in great distress because he had uh, sent Titus to Corinth to determine the outcome 
of the severe letter he had spent, sent to the Corinthians calling them to repent, and he wanted to hear that outcome from Titus. So not finding Titus in Troas, he, even though there was a, an opportunity to preach the gospel in Troas, he sets out for Macedonia to track this down. Now Paul's uh, concern was no light matter for the, the, the situation in the Corinthian church, the crisis in the, in the Corinthian church was so serious that if it were not resolved, uh, not only was the well-being of the church in Corinth at stake, but the churches throughout the Mediterranean world that had come into existence as a result of the Apostle Paul's apostolic ministry, gospel ministry, were also threatened. Now he makes clear to the Corinthians that uh, in this situation he is not defeated. On the contrary, he says, thanks be to God who in every situation in and through the leadership, uh, leads us in and through the leadership of Christ. And through us, in this triumphal procession, as we proclaim the good news concerning Jesus, the saving knowledge of Christ is spread everywhere. Now when the Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul draws this image of the triumphal procession led by God in and through Jesus Christ. He draws that idea of triumphal procession from uh, the Roman uh, triumphal processions that took place in the city of Rome, in which a victorious general, Roman general, is celebrated for the victory he has accomplished over the enemies of Rome in some faraway place. And he rides into Rome in a chariot. It's kind of a ticker tape parade, so to speak. As he rides into uh, uh, Rome, accompanied by um, conquered captive enemies and uh, joyous soldiers who have been part of that great victory that he has accomplished and other tokens and trophies of his victory with him. Also accompanying this triumphal procession were a great number of incense bearers whose uh, the sweet smelling incense filled the air and as it wafted out over the cheering crowd was offered up as an offering to the gods. The purpose of the Roman triumphal procession was to celebrate the victory of this general and to honor him 
and to, in a sense, glorify him as he brought great glory to Rome. Now, in applying the image of the triumphal entry, the triumphal uh, procession, uh, to his situation as a participant in uh, the Christ's triumphal procession, I suggest he does not uh, apply it in terms of himself as a conquered captive, uh, nor is he applying it as that he is in this pro, in Christ's procession as a victorious soldier. I would suggest that he applies the purpose of the Roman triumphal procession to the triumphal procession that he is participating in under the leadership of Christ. And thus, as a participant in that procession led by God in and through Jesus Christ, as he participates in it, celebrating the victory that Christ has accomplished in his death and resurrection and proclaiming the good news concerning that death, the salvation that was accomplished in that de- uh, 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 death and resurrection, uh, he is seeking to honor Christ and to bring glory to Christ and to his Father, God the Father. He applies the purpose, which is to proclaim Christ, to honor Christ, to glorify Christ. Now, as, as, as Paul proceeds in this triumphal procession, celebrating and proclaiming Christ's victory in his death and resurrection, it doesn't appear particularly triumphal. In fact, uh, it would seem that the triumph is hidden. For the Apostle Paul and all those who minister the gospel of Jesus Christ carry on that ministry of celebrating and proclaiming Christ, ministering Christ, in weakness, all manner of weakness. In the midst of they carry on proclaiming Christ, ministering Christ, uh, uh, in the midst of disappointments, painful disappointments, uh, they uh, carry it on in the midst of, uh, of great uh, disappointments and uh, uh, perplexities. Uh, afflictions, uh, difficulties of all sorts, including the ongoing uh, scorn and opposition of the world. And he carries on this ministry of the gospel in weakness, all manner of weakness, because the salvation that Christ accomplished through his suffering and death must be proclaimed by messengers who are 
willing to proclaim it in weakness, for it is as the message of Christ's death, saving death, is proclaimed in the world by those who proclaim it in weakness of all kinds, the supreme value of Christ's sacrifice is shines forth so brightly. And the Apostle Paul goes on to say that as he participates in this triumphal procession, and as he proclaims the good news concerning Jesus, as he proclaims Christ crucified and resurrected, he says, we as we minister Christ in weakness, we ascend as an aroma, a pleasing aroma to God in which he delights. And we noted it's not just Christ who ascends, nor it just, is it just Paul who ascends, but it's we, that is Paul, and all those who minister Christ in weakness rise up as an aroma pleasing to God. And God delights in the gospel being ministered in weakness by its messengers, because when, it is measured, when, it, when the gospel is ministered in weakness, the glorious power of God shines forth so brightly. And now he reminds us that that ministry of the gospel that rises as an aroma to God. <clears throat> also, that aroma of, 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 of Paul ministering the gospel in weakness not only rises to God, but it wafts out and into the world among those who are, uh, are being saved and among those who are perishing. And for those who are being saved, for those who encounter the Apostle Paul proclaiming Christ in weakness, for those who encounter Christ proclaiming weakness and respond to his message, a message which is an, a fragrance from life to life, those who respond, put their faith in Jesus Christ, as their Savior and Lord, it is a message of eternal life. A message of eternal life. For united to Jesus Christ by faith, they are raised as a new man and a new creation, a new woman, empowered by the Spirit, forgiven and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a new life that comes to its climax and consummation in resurrection life dwelling with God in the perfections and glories of the new heavens and the new earth. But that proclamation, that ministry of Christ 
good news in weakness not only wafts over those who are as a fragrance to those who are believing as a fragrance of life from life to, to life, but it also wafts over those who are perishing as a fragrance of death from death to death. That is, as those who encounter Paul ministering Christ crucified and resurrected and resist and reject Jesus Christ. That message, that message is a message of eternal death, that journey of death, a journey of death into the everlasting darkness where there is only where there is only weeping and gnashing of teeth. What Jesus says and says is hell. Now those, I'll admit, are very difficult words. They're, they're very painful words. They're painful to speak even now. And uh, many people find them totally unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. And I will admit that I too find them at times troubling when I really reflect upon them and think of people that I know and love who are on that journey into the everlasting darkness. And one of the things that helps me is that I think about Jesus. Jesus, who was a lot more sensitive to people than I am, and is a lot more compassionate to ordinary people than I will ever be. That Jesus, who was talking with some ordinary people in Jerusalem, and they were talking and asking about some tragic situations that had taken place recently in Jerusalem. And as Jesus interacts with them, he says to those ordinary people in Jerusalem, unless you repent, you will perish. Now, authentic gospel ministry, authentic gospel ministry, whether you are a preacher or an elder, whether you're a Grace Kids teacher, Grace Gathering leader, or someone sharing the good news with your neighbor. Authentic <clears throat> gospel ministry is carried on in weakness. For in weakness, Christ is, is exalted and the power of God displayed. Now the Apostle Paul goes on as he sets before us the nature of authentic gospel ministry. He says as he 
participates in this triumphal procession ministering Jesus Christ, the good news. He says it is characterized by a number of essential qualities and essential characteristics. He says that uh, uh, he, he is not like those peddlers of the word, those hucksters, those self-promoting hucksters who are only interested in profit, financial profit. And he probably has in mind some of the leaders uh, in the Corinthian church who are corrupting it. He says, our ministry is not like that. Authentic gospel ministry is sincere, is characterized by sincerity. That is a genuine concern for those to whom one is sharing Christ, ministering the gospel. And it is a ministry carried on in weakness, but understanding that in that weakness you have been sent by God, commissioned by God, and you minister in the sight of God, and therefore are accountable to God. You are fully aware that your ministry isn't the service and accountability to God, the sight of God. And of course, that ministry flows out of your profound relationship with Jesus Christ. It is in a ministry of the good news concerning Jesus that is an outflow of the impact of the love of God that you've experienced in Christ. And it is a ministry that proclaims love in love and by love. Authentic gospel ministry then is carried on in weakness with a genuine concern for those one relates to, fully aware that you are in the service and accountable to God, and a, uh, and a ministry that flows out of your relationship with Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul sets out for us what is the evidence of authentic gospel ministry? And is setting out the evidence of gospel ministry. Of course, he is setting out the goal of authentic ministry. He not only sets out the evidence of authentic ministry, but he sets out what the power that drives authentic gospel ministry aware that as he writes like he has and says what he has, that the Corinthians will probably criticize him as one who is commending himself. He rejects that idea, and he rejects the idea that he needs some kind of letter, formal letter of recommendation from them or to them. The idea is ludicrous, he thinks, he says, because the Corinthians, they themselves are his letter of recommendation, written upon his heart, precious to him. And as with a number of Old Testament passages in the back of his mind, such as Jeremiah 31, where it talks about the new covenant and the law being written on God, the hearts of God's people. 
and Ezekiel 36, which talks about that coming day when God will put the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God in people's hearts. And also those passages in Deuteronomy that refer to and talk about the law of God being engraved, written on tablets of stone. With those kind of things in the back of his mind, he, uh, he writes, he says, that the Corinthians are a letter from Christ. This letter of recommendation is a letter from Christ. It's authored by Christ, and it's been delivered by and through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And uh, it is not a letter, it is not a letter written with ink on tablets of stone, but it is a letter written with the indwelling Spirit of God on tablets of human flesh. You see, Paul is saying that uh, the Corinthians are the evidence of his gospel ministry because it is, uh, because in, that it is, in that it is their spirit-empowered, transformed lives. It is their spirit-empowered, transformed lives that demonstrate and prove the authenticity of his apostolic gospel ministry. That spirit-empowered, transformed lives. And now he goes on to drive home what is the power that is essential in gospel ministry. He says, reminds them that this courage or this confidence he has in ministry, ministry through Christ to God, uh, does not come from within him. No, he's insufficient. He in himself is in no way able to create transformed lives. Not at all. The sufficiency for this ministry comes from God. It comes from God. It comes from God in this sense, that he says that uh, we have been made ministers of a new covenant. He says the nature of our ministry is, is that it is new covenant ministry. The new covenant uh, is that which that new covenant that was inaugurated uh, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, the arrival, death and resurrection of Jesus, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He reminds us that his ministry is new covenant, and that uh, in new covenant ministry, what is important is the Spirit, the given Spirit, the power of the Spirit to save and to transform. He says, so we don't, uh, we don't depend upon the letter. No, the letter there is, uh, the word used for letter is different than the word uh, used earlier in the, in the earlier verses. 
It's a letter that uh, is connected to uh, the writing of the, it's a, a word that's connected to the writing of the law on stone tablets by God and uh, brought to Israel and to the people of God uh, through Moses. It is that Old Testament law. And so as we in our ministry do not depend upon the law, thinking of, I would think, some of those corrupt leaders in, uh, that are corrupting the church in uh, 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 Corinth, we do not depend on the law to save and to transform. No, we are new covenant ministers. We depend upon the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit. To, uh, to enable our ministry, to empower our ministry, we depend upon the Spirit to save and create transformed lives. And thus he reminds us that authentic gospel ministry carried on in weakness full of a genuine concern for those to whom it ministers, carried out in the awesome presence of God and the service of God, and flows out of the amazing love of Jesus Christ, must depend upon the Spirit of God if it is to have a saving and transforming effect on men and women who by nature dismiss it and scorn it. It is as in gospel ministry as we depend on the spirit that men and women are saved and transformed. And so he reminds us, whether we are a preacher here at Grace Toronto or perhaps you are a grace gathering leader or an elder, or perhaps you are teach children in the, or you're working with the youth or you're a neighbor sharing the gospel, you're one sharing the gospel with your neighbor, that we rely on the spirit to enable and bless. And so the Apostle Paul reminds us, reminds us that we must be continually calling upon the Holy Spirit of God to work in us and through us, enabling us to minister and bless the gospel ministry of this church, Grace Toronto. Amen.